Hi, I'm Linda McGlasson, Managing Editor for BankInfoSecurity.com and CUInfoSecurity.com. Today's Information Security Media Podcast is with Harry Rulin, CEO of Firestorm, a business continuity planning and disaster recovery consulting firm. Welcome, Harry. Thank you very much, Linda. Harry, you recently returned from Europe and have seen firsthand the preparation and reaction to the swine flu virus and pandemic over there. How are they coping? It's actually very interesting. I think that Europe in general has a slightly different culture than we have here in the United States. And because they're not protected on both borders as the United States is by an ocean, and therefore they're not isolated, they're subject to far more uh, issues, more vulnerabilities and threats than we see on a day-to-day basis in the United States. So the first thing you notice when you go to Europe, when you're walking through the airport, you'll see more people wearing masks. You'll also see signs up in the airports, not only just for swine flu, but interestingly, uh, as you'll recall, the swine flu is the H1N1 virus. There's many placards up describing the virus, its symptoms, what you should do if you are feeling any of the symptoms, but additionally, there are placards up for other diseases, such as the H5N1 virus, which, as you probably know, is still affecting people uh, very adversely in places like Egypt and Indonesia, and so they're trying to keep their people tuned in to a much greater degree than I believe the media-based society here in the United States is doing. Can you point to examples of businesses around the globe? that are doing a good job in preparation and planning and implementation of their response plans. And here in the United States, what should businesses and financial institutions in particular be telling their employees and customers at this point? That's a very broad question, and I'd like to break it up into pieces because, of course, the question you ask about what to tell employees is probably the most important piece of the overall communicable illness planning issue. Very often when people talk about pandemic, they talk about pandemic planning. But the reality is there are many, many diseases that do not reach pandemic level that have the ability to incapacitate a financial institution or any type of organization. So it's the training and education of the employees that becomes paramount in the process, teaching them how to identify the issues, how to use proper hygiene, what the cleaning protocols are, what cleaning products need to be used, under what circumstances. All those things need to be incorporated into an overall communicable illness plan for an organization. Additionally, one of the things that most organizations found during this most recent swine flu outbreak is that they need to have very firm travel policies in place. You can't start or try to implement policies after the disease has already broken out. You need to know if you're going to be sending people to foreign countries, what is your quarantine protocol, for example? If you, in the situation with the swine flu, had an employee that returned from Mexico, how long are you going to keep them from returning to the office? If you need to send somebody to a location that potentially is an infected area, how does that affect your workers' compensation policy? How does it affect all of the other benefits policies that your organization has? There are many vulnerabilities and threats that need to be looked at as part of the overall communicable illness planning process, and the employees are the key to it. They're the ones 
who are going to either keep the organization safe or if they're not trained and educated properly, they're the ones who are going to spread the disease. And, again, it's not just about the swine flu. It's not about the H5N1. Uh, we at Firestorm have had clients recently that had issues with things such as measles or drug-resistant forms of tuberculosis. Uh, also, MRSA has been a big issue, the drug-resistant form uh, of bacteria, the flesh-eating bacteria. So it really, overall communicable illness planning is important for any organization. And following up, uh, the first part of that question was uh, examples of businesses around the globe that you you've seen that are doing a good job in preparing and educating their customers? Well, it's an interesting question because one of the things you saw, even prior to the World Health Organization raising the pandemic level from a three to a four, and then, of course, subsequently to, to a current level of six, is there were organizations who immediately upon it being raised from a three to a four started implementing their travel policies along with their overall communicable illness plan. They started restricting travel and doing more things via conference call. Uh, many of the conference call services such as Skype, which allow uh, face-to-face communications over the Internet, saw a dramatic increase in their usage. There are many organizations around the world who started implementing employee distancing policies where they were limiting the number of employees who could be in any one location at any time. There were many steps that were taken and now, as you know, are continuing to be taken as the flu season in the southern hemisphere heats up. Uh, Argentina, as you know, has had many, many quarantines and has had a, actually uh, closed various types of financial institutions and organizations to prevent the spread of the disease. So there are organizations that are doing things well. The problem is you rarely hear about the ones that are doing things well because they're not the ones having the problem. What you hear about is the ones who haven't done the communicable illness planning and therefore are either having to be closed or quarantined. Harry, going back to the spring pandemic response here in the United States, what are some of the areas in financial services, either nationwide or regionally, that you see that more work needs to be done uh, in meeting the expectations of the required pandemic response? One of the problems that we have here in the United States, and I don't believe it's just with the financial services industry, but certainly the financial services industry has a huge exposure, is the fact that our regulators require certain types of planning to be done, but oftentimes senior management at the organizations or institutions only feel the need to do the planning necessary to what we call check the box. They have a plan. It sits on a shelf. It's not actionable if it really has to be put into practice, but it's enough to get the regulators to sign off, and that's all they really do. The steps that they typically miss is doing truly comprehensive vulnerability and threat analysis, and then doing the education, the planning, and then the education and training to make sure that their people can implement the plan. So obviously the organizations in the financial services industry that have the most exposure are those that have retail locations, those that, ha that interact with the 
regular basis. So retail branches of banks, credit unions, things of that nature, they have the most exposure to disease. And again, it's disease of all types. One of the things you may know from uh, the stories about the 1918 pandemic is that there was a recommendation from the government that you wash your money. Money was one of the main ways that the disease they felt was being transmitted from one individual to another because a physical piece of paper could transmit the disease if there was a small piece of spittle or phlegm on the person's hand when they then transferred it to either the bank teller or to another individual. It was a way of transmitting disease. And not having employees trained and educated as how to deal with those issues, I think, creates a very significant exposure for financial institutions that have a retail component. So your advice for individual institutions, where they should be in pandemic response now that a pandemic level six is declared, and what are some of the uh, additional resources that you could offer them? Certainly what any organization needs to do, which if they would like to have a truly implementable, actionable, communicable illness plan, is they need to do an analysis of how their business works, what products come into their business, what happens with them when they're there, and what goes out. Again, if you have a retail location that's interacting with the public, there needs to be a specific protocol for how those things are going to occur. When our flu season returns, I think it's going to be paramount that those type of organizations have hand cleaning protocols in in certain situations, in certain communities, as the level of disease goes up, there may be a need for rubber gloves, masks, things of that nature. Additionally, if an organization has human resource policies that require people to come to work, That's one of the problems we have in the United States. As opposed to absenteeism, we have what we call presenteeism, where people present to work whether they're sick or not. That is a huge exposure for any organization when you're dealing with a pandemic. Because if I feel that I must come to work whether I'm feeling ill or not, the likelihood that I'm going to infect not only my coworkers, but that the bank or financial institution becomes the source from which the disease is spread because of the number of people they come into contact with on a day-to-day basis, that becomes a very significant issue. You had mentioned you had some suggested additional resources uh, that our audience may be interested in. Well, obviously on the Internet there's a tremendous number of resources that are available from the federal government, but Firestorm has a document called the Human Resource Reference Guide for Pandemic that I would be more than happy to give to any of your listeners. It's not something that I'm looking to sell. Um, But it is a document which will walk them through many of the major human resource issues that have to be addressed when developing a communicable illness plan. One of the problems with developing a communicable illness plan that's actionable is that it truly is an area of specialty that very few organizations have. um, Unless you have an in-house medical director, unless you've got people whose job it is to spend their time thinking about the vulnerabilities and threats that get created by communicable illness, then developing the appropriate plan, and then doing the employee training and education, if you have people trying to do that who also have a day job, people who are trying 
do their normal job on a day-to-day basis, the likelihood that you're going to get the plan done, especially in an environment, you know, it, we used to be operating on the calendar. We had plenty of time to set up meetings. We could talk about this. We could plan for it. But once the pandemic occurred, once we were, as Firestorm refers to it, once we were on the clock, no longer on the calendar, there's no time for planning anymore. There's no time for lengthy discussion. It needs to be done quickly. The training and education needs to happen immediately, and there needs to be a truly implementable plan. And that's going to require some dedicated resources, and it's going to require the commitment of management. And I think that that's one of the real keys to making the United States and its financial system more pandemic-resistant and resilient. Harry, recommendations for institutions as they continue to watch the developments in the pandemic spread and their pandemic response? Absolutely. I think one of the most important things in the financial services and banking uh, industry would be to think carefully about your supply chain. Where do you get the physical cash from that you need? Who are and what are the organizations that support your infrastructure to make sure that you can continue to service your clientele? One of the things that's going to happen is people are going to look to take far more cash out of their financial institutions so that they are prepared in the event of catastrophe. That's going to mean that the money supply, the physical money supply that any individual institution needs is going to need to go up. Similarly, the way in which the institution runs its facilities is going to need to change based on various factors that occur within their community. It's going to be essential to have in place a detailed communicable illness plan and policy and to have educated all of your employees to it. One of the things that they've seen in the healthcare community already, and I believe that you will see it in the financial services uh, community as well, is the fact that employees will not show up for work whether they are healthy or not. And one of the reasons is is that any organization that deals with large numbers of the public understands that they have a higher potential for exposure than an organization that doesn't deal with the public. And unless there is an education process, unless those employees understand how they're being protected and how their organization is taking steps to make sure that they minimize the infection rate, the chance that that employee is not going to present to work is is infinitely higher. Harry, thank you so much for your excellent insights today on this country's pandemic preparation response. It was my pleasure, Linda, and anyone who would like to contact me or have me get uh, them in touch with the various experts that we use from Firestone to help in this process, we're happy to do that. Okay. Until later, I'm Linda McGlasson for Information Security Media Group.